0: Grace and mercy and peace belong to you, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. word of God before us is seven words, seven words from the Apostle John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. This weekend, you and I continue a three-part series on Christian love and what that looks like in real life. Last weekend, we let God's Word speak to us about Christian love in parenthood. Next weekend, we'll look at Christian love when it has opportunity to shine in dark places, This weekend, we let God's word speak to us about Christian love in marriage. Before we do, let's all keep this in mind. In one way or another, whether married or single, divorced, young or old, marriage has touched each of us in this room, each of us. It has touched us through its blessings, or the departure from what God says about marriage has touched us, per- perhaps the failures of others, or perhaps our own failures. Let's acknowledge that many, many of us here via live stream. Many, many of us feel bruised and broken by sins connected with marriage. But that's why we have a Savior. That's why you and I can trust His forgiveness. That's why you and I can trust His will for our lives when it comes to marriage or when it comes to, to our attitude towards marriage as a, as a divorced person or a single person, with this security in our, in our Lord and in his promises. Let's begin. First, two statistics, two statistics. Way back in 1950, when... when People got married in 1950, the couples who got married in 1950 would go on to experience about a 20% divorce rate, about one in five, but then we fast forward to 1970, 1970, those who got married in 1970 would experience a 50%. Divorce rate, 50%, more than doubled from 1950 to 1970. What happened? A person could point to many factors, of course. One significant factor that, that both religious and secular observers of our society have come to recognize, around in the years leading up to 1970, there was a shift in our culture's understanding of what the purpose of marriage is. Christian author Tim Keller says it something like this. He said that before 1970, most everyone understood marriage to be a a framework, a framework in which husband and wife would subvert their individual impulses in favor of the lifelong family relationship, that it was a a, a framework for for lifelong growth in character, that it was a a framework for for stability for, for children. After 1970 that common understanding began to fall away. More and more people began to look on marriage as something of value only, only when it primarily serves your needs first. Someone has crassly described this this more recent view of marriage as, as simply a a a sexual contract drawn up for the sake of the two interested parties. A columnist in the New York Times has declared that what we could now call the the more recent view of marriage is simply to call it a me-marriage, a me-marriage. Well, out of this has also come the great quest for the perfect soulmate, Perhaps you've heard the the phrase, maybe uh, sometimes even on advertisements for, for dating services, find your perfect soulmate. The idea being that all I have to do is find the perfect soulmate and everything in my life will just all fall together. And how is the perfect soulmate often defined? You hear things like this. That the perfect soulmate is the one who happily accepts me just as I am. The perfect soulmate is the one who will never try to change me. The perfect soulmate is the one who will consistently fulfill my emotional and physical and intellectual needs. But here's the problem. This approach to marriage puts on marriage a level of pressure that God's Word never does. Let me say that again. This approach to marriage puts on marriage a level of pressure that God's Word never does. It should come as no surprise, therefore, that that more and more people put off marriage out of sheer uneasiness, even fear. It should also come as no surprise that many within a marriage, when they inevitably encounter difficulty, many within a marriage will, will understandably conclude This this other person must not be my perfect soulmate. I must have married the wrong person. A professor from Duke University once had a blunt evaluation of the perfect soulmate idea. In essence, he said, well, if you're looking for the perfect soulmate... You'll find that you will always marry the wrong person. Rather, he said the challenge of marriage is to love the stranger you often find yourself married to. Now, he exaggerates, of course, for effect. But you get his point. And so, be afraid of marriage, avoid marriage. Settle for something less than marriage? Is that the way to go? Mere empirical evidence alone reminds us of the blessings God intends. Those who live within the bond of marriage tend tend to enjoy better mental health, better emotional health, better physical health, more financial security, to say nothing of the profound Positive impact upon children. But make no mistake, make no mistake, in marriage, your spouse's sinful weaknesses and foibles and your own will show up sooner or later. There may be moments when you may realize. You had no idea how much you could fail or in how many different ways you could fail in many areas of marriage. For those who have been married for a while, perhaps you have had thoughts waft through your mind in one way or another. Not all at the same time, but eventually, how could she be so thoughtless How could I be so thoughtless? How could he be so petty? How could I be so petty? What made her snap like that? What made me just snap like that? Why is it so hard for him just to listen? Why is it so hard for me to listen? How come she can't try to see things from my my point of view? How come I cannot try to see things from her's? Indeed, in this view of marriage, when these sinful weaknesses and failures and foibles bubble up, what a frightening, despairing place it can be. Enter the one who created marriage. Enter our Savior. Enter Jesus. Out of a kind of sacrificial love, sacrificial love that you and I will never fully grasp, God the Son came here. God the Son gave himself over to us God the Son came not to be served, but to serve. God the Son came to suffer and die, not to fulfill his needs, but ours. God the Son washed our sins away and claimed us as his own, not because he needed us, but because we needed him. And now through faith in Him, you and I bask in His forgiveness. We are secure in His untiring arms. We are His. And it is there, in Him, that Christian love begins to grow and flourish in marriage. For when I stand at the foot of the cross and I at least begin to grasp the wondrous love that moved Jesus to do what he did for me, that same wondrous love begins to empower me to give myself over in service, in service to my spouse. And when in his word we grow together in realizing that we are secure in our Savior's forgiveness, that same forgiveness begins to empower us to celebrate the security, the security in marriage that the Lord intended for us all along. Empowered by Jesus' love, the the bond of marriage frees us up In Him, you possess the security not always to be on probation with each other. In Him, you possess the security to confess to each other when you stumble and fall. In Him, you possess the security to forgive each other. And from there, you can go on You can go on to encourage each other. You can go on to laugh together. You can go on to grieve together. You can go on to suffer together. You can go on to sigh deep sighs together for a wide variety of reasons. You can go on to rejoice together. You can go on to grow together. One more statistic. That famous 50% divorce rate in our nation that we hear about all the time. Keep in mind that many of those include impulse marriages among the very, very immature, the very, very young. But then there is this, then there is this. When both husband and wife are in worship regularly together, the odds for that couple going the distance rocket up. And when both husband and wife are in the word together at home, and pray together at home, those odds rocket up further still. And so as in all things, comes back to Jesus. As John says, we love because he first loved us. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.